Welcome to Talking New Energy, a podcast from Delta EE, the new energy experts. We'll be talking about how the energy transition is developing across Europe, with guests who are working at the leading edge of this transition. Hello, and welcome to the episode. Today, we're looking at sustainability in the water sector and seeing what we in the energy sector can learn from that. My guest today is Franz Spesnik from Procter & Gamble, the global consumer goods corporation behind brands such as Head & Shoulders, Ferry & Gillette, and many more. France is leading an initiative called the 50 Litre Home in his job as Global Head of Sustainable Innovation and Senior R&D Director. The 50 Litre Home project is about reducing our daily water consumption from hundreds of litres a day down to just 50 litres. What can we in the energy sector learn from this? And what can we learn from a company like Procter & Gamble that has a laser-like focus on customers? Something the energy sector is still working towards. So, hello, France. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, John. Thanks so much for having me here today. You're welcome. Um, France, can you start by telling us a little bit more about the 50-litre home initiative? Sure, John. 50-litre home is both an inspiration and an ambition. The inspiration came from Cape Town that two years ago, about, uh, faced a drought and looming risk of a day zero, the day where there's be zero water off the tap. And to circumvent that, that drought, the city decided to cut down the water um, you know, usage down to 50 liters per day per person. Um, and that caused a lot of sacrifice. Now, when you look at the other side of, of Cape Town in the urban world, people use between 150 to 500 liters of water per day. So here is the ambition. What about we make homes of tomorrow that run at 50 liters per day per person, yet feel like 500 liters? Yeah, okay, that's a great... A great challenge. I remember a couple of colleagues in Delta EE are South African, or three colleagues are South African, and some of them have family in Cape Town, and they were telling me a bit about what that was like, both the the worry and angst that they might run out of water, but also living on 50 litres a day. And it seems like a huge challenge, if if you don't mind me saying, to go from what we're used to to 50 litres. So is it a huge challenge and is it technology or behavior or, or both? It is a huge challenge and this is a big ambition. Um, and, and, but it's going to have to be rooted uh, with um, you know, consumer benefits at the, at the core. Um, my job at PNG is all about um, make sustainable irresistible. That's my motto, that's my drive, that's, that's my obsession. How do we make sustainable irresistible? What are at the core the pain points that consumer feel today in their homes and that can be solved by projects like 50 litre homes. It's got to be absolutely drawn from, from, from the consumer at the core and at the benefit. And actually the ambition lies, uh, lies already the, you know, the, the consumer into it. How to make 50 litre feel like 500 litres. So it's not about how do we create sacrifice and even more sacrifice, how actually we can, we can make 50 equals 500, how we can enable new or bigger benefits you know, how we, get, how we can clean better homes by actually reusing water, for example. So that's the type of thinking that we need to put in our heads. Okay, so try and change the mindset almost from a challenge to an opportunity. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. And I will give you two examples, John. Very concrete examples. In laundry, uh, people uh, want to actually look for performance and speed. That's, that's what 
people want to have fast washing with high performance well actually um, we want to create detergents that actually enable them to go into the speediest cycle with the highest level of performance and actually guess what when you go into speedy cycles quick cycles you actually by default get into lower wash cycles and lower cold, you know lower temperature cycles now you're, that's the sustainability part and the irresistibility is give me a laundry detergent that makes me go very fast with the highest level of performance. This is how you, you know, overlap sustainability and irresistibility. Yeah. Okay. So you create a win-win scenario of I've got a faster wash and I've used less water and my clothes are fantastically clean. Exactly. But what I'm talking to consumers about is something that they care about, which is fast wash with the highest level of, of results and performance. I'm not talking about, please, do cold cold queen or cold cleaning because it's actually better for the environment yeah okay and in terms of challenges you mentioned washing machines which everyone can relate to well everyone can relate to all the aspects of water in a home i guess um where where are the biggest challenges in going from 100 down to 50. well i guess you, you said it there's really three ways you can cut down that water uh, at the end of the day one is to reduce uh, the water consumption uh, say you know, going into, as I said, for the laundry, for speedier, you know, low water cycles, uh, low, you know, uh, energy cycles. So you're going to be reducing your hot water. The second uh, strategy is you're actually going to remove water. So what about you sell dry shampoo? But to be honest, being on the ground uh, in Cape Town with, with real people, I spent a week there. Um, people like dry shampoo a couple of times that they love to get back to their showers. People want showers. People want water. This is, this is so important. And so that, that's what's triggering the innovation um, uh, pillar number three, which is about reusing water. How do you make water reusable? You know, when I take a shower, um, I actually take an eight minute shower. Do you really think that I need to unsoil myself for eight minutes? I probably, I'm probably gonna be soiled a little bit for the, next, for, the last, for the first two minutes. The last six, I'm not, you know, I'm not cleaning myself, I'm indulging myself. And that water that is clean goes right through the drain and transforms into sewages in seconds. What, what if that water could be reused, repurified, recycled? Um, same question on the laundry uh, water, for example. How we can make water reusable in a way that actually is gonna create some new benefits or enhanced benefits in the consumer that will, you know, will fall in love with. So tell me a bit more, France, about putting the consumer in the middle of this and creating that ir irresistible sustainability that, that you talked about. Um, Obviously, you sounds like you learned a lot from Cape Town and that forced experiment, I guess, in, in Cape Town. How else do you make sure that or what else do you do with consumers or with consumer research to get that irresistible part of uh, what you talked about? Well, as I said, you know, my motto and my drive is to make stable irresistible. And it all starts with understanding really the true consumer pain points. In fact, at PNG, we pride ourselves uh, as a company to put the, pri the priority first on, on consumers. We say, we say in PNG, consumer is boss. And that really means getting in the homes of consumers, just like what I've, I've been doing in Cape Town. And I do that routinely. 20% to 30% of my time, John, is about spending time in the homes of consumers to really understand what's happening. Um, what is actually not working for them, what's not working enough. Some are articulated needs, some are totally unarticulated. Unarticulated. What's important is we're going to focus on pain points that are true pain points. Um, for example, another good example is, is the dish example. Um, you know, dish is actually, hand dish is a chore. Um, and people have a lot of um, 
a lot of confusion in the mind that a, a, an auto dish is actually less sustainable than a, than a hand dish. And, and that creates a lot of frustration and a lot of you know, barriers about using um, you know, auto dish. So how do we understand those pain points? How do we make people understand and, and switch in a way that actually is irresistible? And frankly, getting people to auto dish is totally irresistible because who wants to actually um, go through the shore of the, of the hand dish? But we need to understand yeah. deep dive what's happening in the minds of consumers, what's actually a barrier, what, what refrains them, what's actually going to help them so that we can really help them um, get to that level of irresistibility while you know, offering sustainability behind, if that makes sense to you. Yeah, it does. And I'm fascinated by you spending that amount of time in consumers' homes. Is that common? I mean, obviously, there are lots of different job roles within a company like Procter & Gamble, but does that is it just you or is that common throughout product development, product managers, common throughout the company? It's a great question, John. It's actually a function in PNG. We've We've, we've decided we actually it's going to be one of the uh, function of R&D. You've got very technical functions in R&D that do product design, process design, packaging design, analytical. And so we've got a lot of disciplines that, that are very technology focused. And then there's one which is really around products. We call that products research for the lack of a better term. And it's all about getting to really understand the consumer um, and translating those consumer needs, in articulated and unarticulated, into innovation and working with the business to create that innovation. Um, and, that, and of course, that job that I'm doing is, is, is representative of that function. It's really this interfacial job between the consumer at the roots um, the, the technology groups that I need to, you know, work out the innovations for and the business so that we can really create a, a business model behind that is actually going to scale um, so that really only know we have a we have a good viable innovation that makes life better for consumers and make uh, it can scale to a business for, for P&G. I find that fascinating coming from the energy sector, France, and maybe we'll come back to this a bit later on, but the closest I've got to an energy company doing that is uh, the CEO of an energy retailer answering customers' questions by email. Um, so uh, some will spend time every day answering customer questions or complaints, but the head of a, a boiler manufacturer, the head of an energy solutions company going into homes, watching how people use controls, use energy, a bit of that goes on, but it's only a tiny bit. Um, so. No, that, that's, that's definitely 20 to 30% of my job. And depending on phases of project, it could be even be 50%. Like a couple of you would have interviewed me a year or half ago before COVID. I was actually 50% of the time in, in homes of consumer. Um, and I spent a week in, in Cape Town, um, you know, immersing, you know, to understand what's life at 50 liter per day per person when there's no innovation, as an example. Yeah. Well, I'd like to ask you about the wider coalition, because it's not just Procter & Gamble, it's a, a wider group. But before that, just let's finish on Cape Town. Um, what are the key things you learned from that that week in Cape Town? Um, you mentioned dry shampoo, but what what else did you learn about living with fifty liters a day in that particular situation? Well, a couple of things. Um, we met with beautiful long-haired woman that would rather cut their hair than wash their hair because when you have only one minute of shower, ten liter, you you can't wash your hair. We've got we've got we've seen people that would carry water from the effluent of their showers down to the washing machine to wash their loads with that water. Then they would actually get that water, now twice contaminated, off of the washing machine load, 
put into bucket, wash surfaces, wash floor. People would actually then push that water on the garden, you know, in the, on the pavements and, in, and to water the plants around the garden. Some would actually recover one last bucket, all of that water into that last bucket and one bucket they were allowed a day to flush the toilets. Multiple reuse each time, you know, more and more contaminated water. So really that's, that's really created the idea about how we, how about we gonna create circularity of water within the homes at, at, you know, at the point of use so that we can, we can you know, purify the water in situ. You can actually make it reusable so you don't have to actually make it so painful and so hazardous because you know, besides the sacrifice, really the question was hygiene um, of, of, of so much reuse without any treatment of water. Um, so that's been really a key aha moment you know, about how can we decentralize, how we can make water circular in the homes at the points of use um, and make it irresistible. And that's, I guess, what you described there is a low-tech solution to reusing water. But um, in terms of the 50-litre home initiative and the, the coalition, um, I imagine you're working with a range of companies that can, you're, you're one part of the jigsaw, but there are other parts of the jigsaw to make this happen as well. Absolutely. And uh, that's why we formed the coalition called the 50-litre home coalition. Um, just um, it been launched last October 2020, so it's, uh, it's very fresh. And it's really, uh, you know, when you look at the, the life of, of Cape Town, of people at 50 litre without innovation, they do hardship, they do buckets. We don't want, we remember, John, we want to make that irresistible. We want to make 50 litre feel like 500 litre irresistibly. So it's about yeah. how we can create systems change over the entire value chain of water and energy so that we can actually make it accessible, modular, retrofitable, um, democratizable. And so the idea of that coalition is really to create those systems change transformation. So we've got companies, uh, a bunch of, of private companies like Suez and Engie for the water and energy. Um, we've got Kohler as one of the biggest bathroom manufacturers in the world, Electrolux for dish and laundry appliances together with us so that we can really cover the entire value chain of water from the outside all the way to the inside of the homes. And then we also link to um, the World Economic Forum, uh, the World Bank and World Resource Groups, as well as the World Business Council for Sustainable Development. So we can ultimately create a public-private multi-stakeholders group uh, to crack the challenge of the 50th home. Okay, and a lot of this would evolve, well, I can see for, for new buildings, how you can design things like this in much more readily than you can apply it to existing buildings. So how much of it is for new buildings how much of it could be for existing buildings another great great question john uh we target both we've got to have solutions for existing building we've got to because the world is is having as much you know you know retrofit to do than new new buildings and uh, and of course a lot of the asia uh part of the world will be more disproportionately on new buildings a lot of the old world, uh, so to speak, will be more on, on retrofit. So our solutions need to address both needs, the, the new build, and of course, granted, it's gonna be probably easier when you can design it in uh, from the start, but, but that's what I'm talking about, how we create appliances, devices, solutions, system solutions that you can easily um, you know, retrofit into the home uh, and do it yourself. Uh, when we, you know, idea is myself, I can do it without having a plumber necessarily installing things. So think, you know, I think the source of inspiration from us is appliance. Um, when I buy a dishwasher, I don't need Nestle a plumber to actually install it. Like, I, and, and how about we think, when I replace my shower, I don't need a plumber. So how we think about solutions that are retrofitable as do-it-yourself solutions for any one of the commons of the people around this planet. Yeah.
And that's a challenge. It doesn't make it easier, but that's the challenge. <laughs> I, I was thinking of a phrase, uh, the, a, a big, hairy, audacious goal or a big elephant of a goal. Uh, it's certainly that, but uh, I think big, big goals are fantastic for inspiration. And then you've got to start breaking them down and working out how to how to get there. Um, interested in the unpicking the energy angle a bit more. And one of your partners is is at Onji, the energy company. Um, I guess what you're talking about would substantially reduce the demand for hot water in homes. You got it, John. Um, you know, I said earlier that the, the world uses between 150 all the way up to 500 liters per liter pass, and we want to go to 50. So it's at least 3x, even maybe, you know, uh, 10x. But I would say on the median, uh, if you assume that the world is on about 150 to 200, we're talking about 3x uh, done on hot water. And, um, and so, yes, indeed, um, that's going to be so much down um, as per the ambition on, on, the, on hot water. Yeah, and that has a, I guess we're seeing heat demand falling. Well, yeah, heat demand falling in homes as homes are becoming more efficient. Hot water demand, to some degree, as white goods, you know, you don't get white goods with hot water feeds anymore. It's nearly all cold water feeds. But hot water demand has been harder to reduce, I think, over the last decade or two than space heating demand. So uh, if we can reduce hot water demand in the ways you're talking about, that would be fantastic. It would be a win-win situation yeah, again. Absolutely, John. And this is as much as, for me, it's, it's built into the scope of this project as much as the water scarcity. So I really see 50 to home as you know, addressing both of the problems. One, the water scarcity issue, but the second is the greenhouse gas aspects. In fact, the second source of greenhouse gas emissions in our homes, in urban world homes, is water heating for showers, for hand washing, a very contemporary need these days, of course, with COVID crisis, for hand dishing, for laundering. This is actually the second source of greenhouse gas emissions in our homes right after space heating. First, heating the homes, second, heating the water of the homes for all our needs. So as we cut it down, slash it down 3x, we want to cut down the emissions. And, and actually, even beyond, once I slash down uh, the level of water down to 50 liter per day per person, I actually want to electrify that water heating and I want to decarbonize it. Yeah, yeah. Are you working with um, any appliance manufacturers from the water heating side in the coalition? We're not right now, and um, and that's that's any uh, the value of, of this podcast is actually to socialize the 50 to home to a broader network of potential um, players and partners. In fact, the coalition is not a closed club. Um, we don't have locked doors. In fact, the reason I'm, I'm here is indeed to socialize and, and get probably to um, to tap on that ecosystem, which uh, we, we're not used to and uh, sending us a PNG. And, uh, and so, yes, so the short answer to your question is no, not, and I should say not yet, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I think that a company like that sounds like it would be a great addition to the coalition. Um, Possibly, absolutely. And in terms of timescales, France, what you've outlined, we'll come to it in a bit more detail with a crystal ball question at the end. Um, but uh, how do you see the next years? What would you like to achieve in, I don't know, three years or five years? Again, great question, John. Um, what we'd like to set to achieve is within five years, we'd like to have a couple of pilots really bringing the concept of 50 Tom into real life in an apartment or two, maybe for the first pilot, maybe more apartments for the second pilot uh, in a city, uh, in a real lived in place uh, where we have real people uh, and we can demonstrate that we can do maybe first pilot would be 100 liters, 
uh, and the second pilot could be 80 and the third would be, could be 50. So the idea is how we can intercept apartments uh, in real life cities, um, multi-unit buildings, uh, multi-family units, so that we can continue to scale and learn at the highest scale that we actually can deliver 50 liters that feel like 500 liters and we can at the same time decarbonize water heating. So, you know, low, you know I would say three, two, three pilots in urban environments within the next five years uh, would be a great goal to achieve. And off of that, uh, we'd like that will give us the learning to see uh, to to inform the path to scale uh, because obviously this this is not just about a few apartments in a few cities this is about how we can actually scale um globally yeah yeah um and those pilots what or reaching those pilots if you had to pick out one biggest challenge to doing that what would it be well, I guess right now it's certainly to um, to crack the innovation because you know we don't want to go to a pilot to just relearn what we already know. So we really want to come with especially technologies that will be uh, able to reuse water, make water reusable in, in an irresistible way. I think there's a there's a couple of challenges really around the project beyond the pilot, and the pilot would be a way to learn. But I think beyond innovation, uh, I think the regulation uh, arena is probably as important as innovation. Um, you know. How would we need to change building codes, plumbing codes, um, wastewater reuse, um, you know, policies or regulations? So I think the pilot uh, is really the, um, you know, the way where we can actually de-bottleneck uh, and de-risk some of these items and learn um, on innovation as well as on, on regulation. I guess the last but not least is, of course, right now we're busy looking for city partners. Um, so we don't, you know, we're in the process of of, of, of looking for that and, and, and again uh, hopefully that podcast is going to socialize that further um, but of course we want to partner with cities this is not you know a, a little club uh, trying to do uh, to cook something on their on their on their end uh, the idea is how we can you know learn with a city and how we can learn to scale and what where if you're able to stay are there any parts of the world where you are getting more interest or that you you think well, those pilots might be would it be Europe would it be Asia, the Americas, Southern Africa. Yeah. The, um, there's actually four regions that we've put as priority in terms of water. Um, and these are North America and not, not surprising you to hear West Coast is actually pretty much under scarcity as a very contemporary issue, as you probably have heard. Uh, ma massive drought issues down on the West Coast. California is one of the states we'd like to learn on. And we've got inroads there to uh, hopefully uh, create that possibility. China, uh, yeah. water security is big in China. Latin America, uh, usual suspects um, in India, another one. Now, when I look at the greenhouse gas uh, aspect of the project, I think Europe uh, is very high on my map, especially knowing how much the heat decarbonization is, is a high agenda item in that continent. So um, hopefully it gives you a little bit of a glimpse as to where we're looking at. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, Franz, I'd like to now come back to the energy sector and um, I'm really interested from you've been in the consumer goods sector, you're now getting involved in the energy sector. What observations, and you've highlighted the challenges that we have to decarbonize our energy system as well as using less water. So what observations do you have about the energy sector in terms of their, the energy sector's understanding of heating water and space heating in homes, how they engage with customers, how they're approaching decarbonization. I'm really curious to hear what observations you might have. <laughs> it's probably a, a little bit of a risky question, but anyway, let me, let me give it a try. 
Well, first off, I would, I would tell you first as a disclaimer that I'm not an expert in the energy sector, so I, I would certainly not adventure myself to make a judgment. But I would say from my observations, a couple of things as a, as a consumer myself of, of my energy supplier, I certainly, you know, I'm not experiencing as much of an intense relationship between myself as a consumer and my energy supplier, um, as much as our brands like Pampers of Olay or Gillette uh, create a bonding with consumers. So I think you said it, but, but just by the nature of our brands and the intimacy they enter in the life of the consumers, we are absolutely tightly and intimately bounded, bounded to our consumers. And I don't feel the same sort of bonding relationship with my energy supplier. So, I, you know, my, my, my pretty you know high level observation is that intimacy uh with a you know consumer or call it customer is actually much more diffuse for, for at the energy sector it feels like rather than uh you know for for, for fmcg companies like like png and frankly it's certainly because it's not necessarily been uh, a foundational asset that the sector had to build in to thrive um i guess it's changing um, i'm seeing interesting um, new companies in that sector. Um, I think the, the entry of, of the digital, the smart metering is a way to create more of a bonding and a relationship. Um, and, and it feels like the sector is, is evolving quickly. So I'm, I'm pretty curious um, to see how is that going to land into. And, and the last point I would say is that's exactly why the coalition makes sense. We can build on each on each in everyone's strength, um, you know, to actually create the system sense we need. So, Angie is with us, and 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 we probably will help on the uh, on the consumer bonding, and they kind of obviously will help on the on the energy sector and and, and all of its all of its strength. Yeah. I'm really curious about what you said about intimacy, uh, and agree with you. The energy sector doesn't have that intimacy with customers. Um, can it have that intimacy? Is it by definition just not interesting? It's not a razor like Gillette. It's not fairy like you wash up with. Um, so do you think it by definition can't have that intimacy or it can have that intimacy that you have in the fast moving consumer goods sector? I guess that's that's the question we're going to ask have to ask themselves in terms of you know do they or do don't they? So I, I would certainly not put a judgment that they should or they should not. I would say that I don't necessarily feel it's got to be reserved to a cast of, of companies. Uh, and again, the the digital um, and, and smart homes is probably a space, an interesting space where you can create more intimacy. Um, but I would say again, uh, that's exactly why the coalition we, we're creating is going to be the playground to understand, you know, how we want to play each, each and everybody's strength. And, and, and maybe instead of really having Angie figuring out the intimacy with consumers and, and PNG trying to figure out the energy, it's like we're going we're gonna to partner together to actually create the intimacy through a, through a partnership as opposed to trying everybody to create that, that intimacy. Because at the end of the day, we need to make it simple for the consumer at, at, at the very end use. So, you know, whatever we come up with, it's going to be, it's going to have to be ultra seamless, ultra lean, ultra simple. So, you know, uh, that's probably the way we've decided and I've decided for the coalition to work uh, that, that question. Well, I think the best innovation often comes when you fuse different sectors or different types of companies together exactly. in the world. Exactly. At least that's that's the answer we 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 are betting on right now, and uh, and we learn, and uh, you know nobody would make progress if if one don't learn. So I I would be happy to talk with you maybe in a few months from now and see what we learn from ex, from an experiment in in terms of that question. Yeah, that would be great. Um, last question before we bring up the talking new energy crystal ball. So stepping back a bit and thinking of the sustainability challenges we face as a society. 
how how optimistic are you? How pessimistic are you from being right in the middle of this? Well, I guess the um, the climate challenge um, is is overwhelmingly massive and, and a little freaking. So I, I, I would not deny that. But at the same time, I'm absolutely uh, an, an, an rested and obsessional optimist. I'm an innovator and and I'm actually with with projects like 50 to Home. I'm actually a huge believer that we can help solve. I mean, I talked to you about water scarcity. I talked to you about the second source of greenhouse gas emissions. Um, you know that we can solve for. So we can right there for you know for for both problems, biggest problems. Can find solutions in the homes. And I talked to you about retrofitting. And I talked to you about new buildings. So we want to, you know, we really want to go and, and solve for the world. And I really believe that we can create scales when we've got this coalition. So you know, I, I'm. You know, I, I, I have to say as an innovator, I, I think it's doable. And, and COVID times has taught us that once we're unified, and that's a really important point, uh, you can beat times and you can actually beat the unbeatable uh, challenges. And that's the big point of the coalition again. Uh, we will not succeed in isolation. Nobody, no one company as big as PNG could be serving 5 billion consumers day in, day out, over the world. We will not we will not solve that challenge without the coalition. We need unification. We need two things. We need one, unification, and we need consumer focus. Absolutely yeah. consumer obsession. If we're not, if we're about technology push, if we're not about resolving consumer problems in their daily lives, and I really am talking about daily lives and daily problems, and I've met many consumers around the world, and they don't talk to me about sustainability. They talk to me about kids, um, they talk to me about grandmothers dying. They talk to me about they can't pay their bills. They talk to me about, you know, their husband is actually out of job now. They, that's the problems of the people and that's the pain points they're going through. So uni unified and focused on the people. And I think not only do you need to do that for to make something compelling, but you need to do that for the show the regulators, show politicians that this can be done in a way that really is irresistible for people. And then it makes it easy for the regulation politicians to do the things that they need to do. Couldn't say better, John. France, let's bring out the, the talking new energy crystal ball now. We, we, I asked you earlier to look maybe two or three years forward. I'm going to set the dial now to 2030. And can you tell me what you'd like, what we'll see in 2030 when it comes to the 50 litre home? Well, um, let's try that. Uh, in 2030, uh, I want to, I want, I want to have, um, you know, multi, you know, family units around the world running on 50 liter that feels like 500 liters and, and at zero carbon ultimately. So I talked to you about a few pilots. I think at that time in 2030, we would want to have moved from pilots to already first, you know, uh, executions at scale of some of these homes. Um, think about, you know, the, the countries I've talked earlier I think about a district a tall district of a yeah. city or several districts around the world in, in a few more you know, places. So that's number one. Um, number two, um, we've proven that we are not only meeting um, the needs for new buildings, but we are actually scaling up solutions that are retrofitable, affordable, um, and that people buy and rebuy. Um, so we've got, you know, it's, it's not a lab anymore. It's not a pilot. It's actually, we've got, you know, proven business models on a few of those equipments that people are buying and rebuying all over the world. Um, and the, the, the last but not least is we've actually proven that we can help uh, dramatically decarbonize water heating. So we really are, you know, having a, a, an impact on the, on the greenhouse gas as much as on the water. Um, in that, I think, you know, I'd, I'd love to say that 2030, 50 litre home is a proven solution. 
that shows that it's both an aspirational solution. So the world wants to live on 58 a home. It's actually a desirable uh, place to be at and everybody uh, wants to be in, in those 52 homes. And it's at the same time a new standard of living where it's part of the plumbing codes, the, the building codes and the, and the policies and regulations. So I, I think that would be a great you know, level of achievements um, you know, by 2030. That's my crystal ball. Well, that would be transformational for us uh, by, well, it would transform some home science parts of the world by 2030 and it would let the, see the, the, the route for the rest of the, the world to, to follow exactly. in 2030 and be trans transformational for, for water and for energy. And, um, That's exactly uh, the goal. Yeah, I, I listened to a, a politician, I won't say who, but make a speech a while back and they divided the, the world into can-do people and can't-do people. And mm -hmm. you meet a lot of people when it comes to the sustainability challenges we face that are can't-do people, but there are plenty of can-do people around, and you're certainly one of them. And I, th those uh, to have those aspirational challenges that you described, I think are critical to achieving what we need to achieve as society. So I appreciate that, John. Um, France, it's been great talking with you today. I really appreciate uh, your time and sharing uh, the 50 litre home initiative and hopefully you got some some of our listeners thinking and their brains worrying about what it means for them and maybe even how they can get involved. So um, it would be a pleasure. Um, thank you so much, John. It would be a pleasure for sure to actually exchange further. And thanks for giving me a chance again today. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, France, and thanks as always to everyone for listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode and look forward to welcoming you back next week. Thanks and goodbye. If you're as passionate about the energy transition as we are, then please keep in touch. You can follow us and me on Twitter, LinkedIn, or subscribe to the podcasts on your chosen podcast platform. If you like the podcasts and like sharing, then please do rate us. And to listen to archived episodes, to read transcripts, and to see the latest Delta EE insights, then please visit www.delta-ee.com.